Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get Ready to Thrive. Hi, and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm really, really excited to have my brand new friend and Julie on here with me. And she is the author of this book, Stay. And I have just started reading this book, and I really want to start, I wanted to start off the podcast by saying, um, pause, go check out this book on Amazon, put it in your cart. Um, I started reading the introduction to this book and it is, I'm going to say the most beautiful introduction to a book I have ever read, um, just with the poetic language, but also just this invitation. And if you are feeling in the season, like you are weary, you are tired. And I know that we all are feeling that way in the season. This is such a beautiful invitation for um, you to meet with God in this season. And so that's my plug right off the start. And you're going to hear a little bit from Anjali what the book is about, but also just who she is and how she has um, come to this place of encouraging women to stay. So Anjali, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. It's so great to be here. And I was like tearing up at that introduction. So thank you. Um, my name is Ann Julie and I have five little kids going from two years old. Yeah, she's two all the way to 13. And we live in San Diego. If you could see what I see right now, I'm looking out at blue skies and a very warm, hot day. So we spend a lot of our time at the ocean when it's not COVID-19 and lockdown. And my husband is a pastor at a local church. Beautiful. Now, um, are your beaches closed right now? You know, like, uh, yes and no. So you could go to the beach, but you can't like sit and lay out a blanket or a chair. Okay. So you can kind of walk. Yes. Along the beach. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Um, I don't know if our beaches ever really close where we are. I know that that has been uh, a huge source of like a place of refuge for me, um, both with my kids and, um, and just um, going by myself a few times. That's where I love to go connect with God. Um, so hopefully that that will change for you guys soon. Um, San Diego is one of my favorite places to be. Um, I want to just dive right in to your book. And first of all, just tell me, sort of, how did this book come about? Just the, yeah, tell me all about it. Yeah, it's kind of a fun story. So I, at that time, uh, had three kids. So about six years ago, I just, it was kind of this time when everyone had a blog. Everyone was blogging. I, of course, was blogging. And I remember thinking, like, I hate publishing blogs, blog posts. Because it's never fully what I want to say. It's like you have all these parameters. You could only write so many words. And I gave myself permission to just write until I wanted to stop writing. And as I did that, I basically wrote for a whole year. And at one point, I was like, okay, I have nothing left to say. <laughs> and I, to me, I was like, oh, I guess this is kind of a book. And so for the last five years following that, that 
manuscript really just sat on my desktop and I just kept wondering like, what do I do with this? Do I send it places? And then at one point an editor reached out to me and said, Hey, have you ever thought about publishing a book? And I was like, well, funny because I have one right here. And that kind of led to stay coming, but it was really um, a heart project a long time ago. But as I got the book contract and uh, started, you know, editing my own words from five years prior, it was a real, it was a real, um, again, kind of entering some hard places and uh, asking myself that question, what does it mean to stay? I love that um, probably in the process of those five years, you were probably wondering like, hey, like God, why have I written this book? What am I supposed to do with it? But I do really love how, again, I think it shows God's timing in that you have a book coming out called Stay while everybody is ordered to stay at home. And, you know, I... Sometimes I'm like, God, you have such a sense of humor. Um, And sometimes it's just like, no, you know what we need at this time. And this is actually a time where I think people do need this invitation. People do need these words. Because as we're at home, things have come to the surface and things that we actually want to run away from. So what does it look like? Because I know that's a big part of what you're saying is there's things in our lives that we would rather turn away from in all these different ways. And we have all these very subtle strategies, as you would call them, to run away. What does it look like to actually turn and face those things? Yeah, it takes a lot of courage, first of all. Um, and I think one of the ways I am learning and have learned to stay is remembering that God is the author of our story. So remembering that all the intricate that's a hard word to say, um, of your story and of your soul have a purpose. And yet we have a lot of strategies that we use to not stay connected to our story and to our soul because there's fear and there's anxiety and there's pain from our past. And yet as we learn to stay and uh, identify some of those strategies, we start to see that those feelings and those scary thoughts that we have really become a pathway for us to have deeper relationship with Christ. Now tell me, just unpack for me what some of those strategies might be. What is sure. Um, all right. So I, I kind of look at it, they're small, medium, and large. That's an easy way to categorize it. But right now, today, uh, I, I think I have, and probably you have, and the listener have come up against things where they were painful to experience. And you might feel that as resistance. Mm -hmm. In resistance, I say a lot, resistance is one of the greatest gifts God gives you because it highlights the places you are running from and afraid of and hiding from and covering. And so I would say, okay, even today, I got a text message this morning where I was like, oop, I don't want to deal with that. And so my strategy, instead of uh, feeling the pain of that text message or what it triggered for me, my strategy was to eat food. Like I'm going to open the refrigerator and fill that angst with something that will satisfy. And so that's just a very basic strategy. Another one would be like um, 
entertainment or pleasure or music. And I mean, I've said this one before, but it's um, sometimes we even use uh, spiritual disciplines as strategies to not deal with the reality of our hearts. So I love what you just highlighted there, these ways that we can use even good things to kind of escape and to numb instead of facing that thing. Um, And so what does it look like to sit with it? What does it look like to actually stay? So I would say even in these small, medium, and large places, like for instance, this morning, um, when I got that text message, it is an invitation. Resistance becomes that invitation of instead of going to the fridge, it's opening your heart. It's saying, God, that text message really stung. And I'm so tempted to fill my pain with food right now. And yet, I, yet you're here. God, you are here with that stain. And I would say that is applicable even to larger things. Like um, I think it's a real reality in our COVID-19 of finances being very tricky. And um, I think my strategy with finances is to avoid it. I'm not going to look at my bank statement. (laughs) I'm going to pretend that if I don't see it, maybe it's not a problem, you know? And so that becomes that resistance to not open my email from my bank becomes an invitation of God. I'm so afraid. I'm afraid I can't have the life I want. I'm afraid I can't get what I want when I want it. And even larger things I think we avoid a lot is trauma, trauma, big trauma and even small trauma. It's um, many of us get stuck in trauma. Well, I love that you just shared, um, first of all, sometimes our, our gut response or reaction is just to either avoid something or to um, do something to make us feel better. Right. And so I think about like the cookie example where there's a huge difference if I am eating a cookie, cause I'm like a cookie would be great to eat right now. Like this would, I love a cookie with my coffee. Like that's different than me saying I'm using that cookie to Build something like to to really um, it's going to feel good for a moment. And I think about there's a lot of different things I can do, like with the example of the text message, where I'm like, if I'm feeling hurt or discouraged, that might be a place where I'm like, I want to go talk to a friend and say, look what this person did to me is wrong. And that's another way to scratch that itch and say, I'm going to feel better for a moment. And I think what you're right is we actually have to pause and say, what are some of these strategies? What are some of these things I do in my life to either escape, to numb the pain, to feel good for a moment, but I'm not actually dealing with the issue, the thing. And so it's that turning to face that thing that we're so afraid of and face that thing with Jesus when he's like, no, I could actually offer you some healing and some peace in this place. But um, we don't know what that's going to look like. And so often we can um, it's easier. I think, I think, you know, habitually we get into these little strategies. And so, yeah. you know, really the invitation to stay is this invitation to healing and to wholeness. And, and it doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Like, I don't think you're saying like, Hey, this is going to be so easy and fun. Um, but it's so worth it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's tricky. It's one of those tricky things where it's easy and it's hard. Yeah. Right? To to open our hearts and to name some things like I'm using this cookie to fill my void. That's not a hard thing to say, but what is hard is really encountering the truth of who we are. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And to sit with that. I mean, in the same way it's like, you know, the call of the Christian life, like there's something really easy about it. Like, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden. That's easy. That's great. But then it's like, oh, but then you also have to die to yourself. Yeah. There's this element of hard and easy to staying. Because as you stay, there's the easy is, oh, God is with you there. There's, you don't have to live life trying to figure it out, making it work on your own power and strength. And so the intimacy is such a gift. But it is hard to see and feel some realities inside of you. Yeah. I was thinking about some places in my own life where I can come up against that resistance. And um, a few of them that I quickly came up with were um, sometimes being present with my kids when it's hard. Um, When I feel rejected by a friend um, over text message or whatever it might be. Um, When I think about the loss or pain from my past, um, when I'm in the middle of a hard conversation with my spouse, like those are all places of, um, they can be places of pain and resistance. And so um, I think really what you're saying here is, you know, in those moments, how do I really invite, stay and invite Jesus into that place? Like, what can I do to kind of turn and say, um, Okay, this thing is hard. And, and would you say there is kind of like a refining that happens to us in that place? Yeah. Well, if I could take an example that you use that I think is really good. Um, what do you think you are resisting when, you, when it's difficult for you to stay with your kids? And I ask this, I'll give you a second to think about that, but I think the feeling is important to feel, but the feeling will lead you to a deep belief. Yeah. So there is a deep belief about you that someone gave you that you came up with on your own throughout your life. And this deep belief that if you follow that feeling, it will take you to that deep belief. And that is what we're really running from. Mm. We don't want to experience, for instance, in my situation with that text message, that feeling of, of pain, right? It actually leads to this deep belief in me that I am responsible to make sure everyone is okay. Yeah. And when someone text messages me and they're not okay, that frustrates me. Oh God, what do I have to do to make them okay? They're driving me crazy. But I have, you know, I'm neurotically trying to make it better. And so, and so I want to, that's, that's the question, right? So what do you think for you, you're actually resisting? What is that feeling? And what do you think that deep belief is? Because that's what Jesus is refining. Yeah, totally. Well, I think sitting in that place and being able to get, like there's very similar language I've often used of this idea of um, just getting to the root of things, finding out what is that root. And often I found when um, my husband and I are having a conversation about something like an argument or something usually I'm like we're not actually fighting about this thing like what is the actual root like what's the thing and you know for myself um I know there was 
often there has been something that's come up with um, my husband's work schedule. And there was a moment where we had quite a big um, argument conversation and we'd kind of resolved it. But I felt like, you know what, something is not, I'm not totally resolved. Like I knew I didn't have full peace. And I just sat with Jesus and I was like, what's the thing here? And it was, um, he just said, it's the fear that if you fully support him, then you're not going to have enough. Like you're not going to have enough time with him. You're not going to have enough time with your kid. Like all of these things. And once we were able to sit together and say, oh, it's, it's a fear of this. Well, I can actually let go of that fear, right? Like I can partner with Jesus and say, I don't have to be afraid of those things. Like that's actually not who we are anymore. That's not the truth of who my husband is in his work. And it was this beautiful moment to be able to say, I can now fearlessly like embrace and support him in his work. And it doesn't mean those things don't still come up, but really identifying, you know, what are those things that are going on really at that deep level? Totally. No, that is really true. Now you also mentioned this idea of like, we have these little things, right? Like the little um, things that we want to sometimes run away from the medium things and the bigger things. I think for some people too, there can be these, I want to call them little T traumas. Like they're not these yeah. major traumas, but maybe they're those little things um, that maybe just somebody said to us when we were a kid or something that's kind of shaped part of who we are. How do we, because I think we're often good at just saying, well, that happened as a kid. Who cares? Like, do I need to really revisit that? What would you kind of say about that idea? Well, I would have a lot of compassion for them because I think trauma, big T or little T, is just trauma. It's that thing that disrupts you and kind of your body moves forward, but your heart gets stuck there. So I would say to someone who might have a little trauma, and and this is what's interesting about trauma. I can say that word trauma and someone will instantly know if they've had it. it. There's a memory, a moment, a word that is like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it becomes this, it's a very secretive thing a lot of times or um, it's something from a long time ago, right? And they get very dismissive. And I would say to someone who has a small trauma, I would say um, facing that trauma is a very scary thing. And I know you don't even want to give it any value or attention, but I would say if you want to love your spouse or love your children, or love relationships that you have in your life in a way of freedom, then you must do the hard work of working through that trauma. So sometimes I think people can't do it for themselves because that trauma has shaped their understanding of their worth, but they might do the hard work for somebody else. Right. If it means I can love my kids, then I'll do it for them. And so I would say do it. Do it for them then, if not for your own freedom. Um, I think that was such a powerful statement. And um, I would encourage people just to go back and listen to that. Um, because sometimes we we aren't motivated to deal with things in our own lives for our own freedom. But we will be motivated to be a better mom or a better spouse. And I know I had this aha moment recently where I was like, why do my husband and I have, like, we have this strong marriage. Like, why do we, I feel like we're thriving and I'm trying to figure it out. Like, what are the things? And I realized 
it's actually because a turning point, because it wasn't always that way, the turning point was when we both dealt with our own stuff. Like when we both yes. spent that time dealing with it. And interestingly, it, it really happened for my husband way before it happened for me. And no, he didn't push me to a place. Um, he was so gentle. I, I mean, I think it's amazing, gentle, that he, he loved me even in my hard places. And often in his cards to me now, he'll write this like, it's Jacqueline 2.0. Like it is, I've become a new person. Um, and it really is through this process of sitting with those painful things and, and even some of those things like just surrendering to God, like confessing and surrendering. I've, I've participated in things that, um, you know, I need my mind renewed and, um, and even just being able to deal, look at things from the past and say, Hey, maybe that thing that happened back then, maybe I've been believing a lie about myself for a really long time. Maybe that's not true sitting with God mm -hmm. and having him speak the truth. And so I would say for sure, if people are listening and feeling like this deeply resonates um, with themselves, that, you know, doing that hard work, um, even if the, if the goal or the motivation is just to be able to be free to love others, I think that they will, um, they'll experience that um, as you change, they will reap the benefits as well. Yeah, I think one of my favorite, um, quotes that really hit me um, as I was kind of in the middle of a lot of heart work um, was your parents undealt with pain will become your pain and that's true that is so true the pain you don't deal with your kids will carry it yeah and they won't even have room for their own pain because they're carrying yours and so give them the gift of dealing with your pain so in this moment as we are still in various stages of kind of being stuck at home or our worlds are in a different place, how can people begin to do that? So how can they begin to carve out that time or that space? To stay. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting. I think there is this you know, connotation that to do this work, you have to maybe be in a, be in a room all by yourself with a candle in your Bible which could be the case, but I found that the work of the spirit is an all the time work. God is nudging and tapping at your heart while you're doing the dishes, while you're changing diapers, while you're cutting coupons, while you're scrolling through Instagram, like God is working on your heart and, and it pays attention. You pay it. You can see it in your resistance. Hmm. Right. And those little things of, oh, I just saw a picture on Instagram of friends hanging out without me. Yeah. You know, and it's this, this place of, I want to invite women to open your heart all the time. Yeah. And you start to see the work of this, what the spirit is doing. Like, oh, there you are again, Angelie, being very jealous. Totally. And so then I want to ask you, like, what do you do? Because I've had those moments for myself where I think my strategy used to be, okay, if someone's making me jealous, and I know it's not helpful for my own heart to be cultivating that, so I might just unfollow them or mute them or something. Yeah. But what I've realized, I'm like, I still, there's still actually something deeper that needs to be dealt with. So yeah. what do you do in that moment? You know, I would really, I think it's, it's very helpful that you have children. Children are excellent mirror. But I would say, what, what would you tell your child? Mm -hmm. 
and and putting yourself in this position of we love our children and how much more does God love us as his children? And if my daughter, right, she's six, um, if she ha- you know, gets in a confrontation with her sibling, it's this mirroring. It's this, oh, Annalie, you're afraid that if she gets something good, there's no good left for you. Right. And that is the invitation. That's the opening of our hearts of when we see that picture on Instagram and we're tempted to unfollow. It's like, oh, Angelie, you think their good takes away from your good. Right. You think that their story is better than your story. And that becomes this prayer. God, I don't, I don't like my story. It's honesty. It's confession. It's being vulnerable. And I think truly it is a vulnerable thing to encounter those places when our souls get pricked. Yeah. And yet there's no love without vulnerability. It's impossible. Well, I think what you just said there was a good... Um indication that idea of our souls get pricked i think that's sometimes the aha moment of those things that are coming to the surface you know and in this season i think we've had a lot of things come to the surface but really a lot of things have been there and i I like to say to people like i think it's actually it's a gift when we are aware of these painful things in our lives because then we actually get to sit with god we actually get to begin to deal with those things. It's if we have to really go digging, like what's going on in this hard. So when things come to the surface, this is good. Like we actually get to deal with it. Um, I love that. It's a gift. I love that. It's absolutely a gift. You um, have a quote in your book that I love. And you're talking about this idea of belonging and you share about a um, university professor that you had. And I just want to read it. And you said, because it sounds so beautiful. You said, she made a place for my heart to sit down. Surprisingly, my sense of belonging came from admitting how on the outside I really felt. Belonging isn't about getting on the inside. It's about believing I'm loved even while on the outside. And I was just wondering if you could unpack that a little bit. Sure. Um, well, I would say belonging is just one of the deepest desires of the human heart. And I think, um, you know, the way you're raised or the culture you're in can really have these standards of, well, if and then, if you do this, then you'll belong. If you look this way, then you belong. If you're this smart, then you belong. If you know the right people, you belong. And so, so much of my life was trying to do the if then, and it's exhausting if anyone... If anyone has ever done that, then you know how exhausting it is. And there was such this beautiful freedom of, oh, like everywhere I go, I belong. Mm -hmm. There is no if then. Like I belong because I'm a child, a daughter of God. And so I can be the most unintelligent person in the room. I can mess up or I can make mistakes or I can, um, you know, have zits all over my face, you know, and my belonging isn't conditional. Yeah. My belonging is where I am. And so, yeah, I think it was, it, it, it's just this other idea. I think what, what happens is when we have the capacity to stay with ourselves and the truth of our, our lives and the truth of our hearts and the truth of things inside of us that nobody else sees, and we move into intimacy and relationship with God right there, what happens is 
what happened for me and this professor who was able to say, sit down. And we become creatures. We become people who can say to other people, stay. Mm. Like, you can stay. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have a clean house. You don't have to um, know all the answers or look the right way. Like, you have space in your heart to have other people stay. And I think that's the beautiful gift that when you stay, you create space for others to stay as well. That's so beautiful. Um, one of the ways this has, um, you have shown this for other people is um, this Instagram community you've created. And that is the uh, Mums We Love Club. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, it's my favorite thing ever. So um, I started an Instagram feed called the Mums We Love Club. And what we do is we support, we feature one mom every month um, who is going through long-term hardship. So what that means is she has an illness or her husband does or one of her children does. And a lot of times um, these moms are just, it's just the most awful situation you can imagine. It's, you know, her husband has cancer and her child has um, Down syndrome. You know, just these hard situations and what we do is we feature them on this feed once a month. And I invite this community to repost a picture of this mom. And one, we pray for her. And two, we um, bring awareness to kind of the physical or emotional struggle that's going on. And three, we raise money for her. That's so beautiful. It's my favorite. How long has this been going on for? Two years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just started following it and um, Thank you. yeah, I love what you're doing to support those women. And um, I love also that this is just something you had an idea for and started. And so um, my encouragement also is for the women who are listening, when you have those little God nudges to do something and you might even be thinking like, what can I do? Like I can't, I'm not some big influencer. I'm not some... But what is the little thing you can start um, right where you are with what you have, something you're passionate about that God has put in your heart? And so I love that that's just what you did. And it's really grown to be this incredible thing that um, really is so encouraged. It's encouraging and supporting the mums on the page, but it's also a way for other women to rally around. And that is so key. I'm sure there's lots of other things that actually have come from that, uh, which I love. Now, Anjali, where can people find you? Where can they find Stay? Oh, great. I would love it. To, I'd love to connect. Um, you can connect on my website, AnjaliePascal.com, on Instagram at lovealways.anjali. You can pick up Stay um, at a local Target, um, online Target, or online at Amazon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope that people listen to this episode twice and I hope, um, yeah, I hope they really are changed. I know they'll be trained, uh, changed and transformed as they read your book. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts? podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, 
If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com. This has been an Extend Network production.